Hello everyone, welcome to our broadcast. I'm Jerry Seville, and I want to thank you for joining me today. We're talking about relentless faith. Those of you that tuned in last week, you remember we began this new teaching, and I believe, praise God, those of you that saw it, you were inspired, and I want to encourage you, keep watching because we're going to be talking about this for the next several weeks, and you don't want to miss one broadcast. Now, I'm going to take you into the service where I was teaching this here at our church, Heritage of Faith Christian Center, right here in Crowley, Texas. And by the way, if you're ever in our area, come and join us. I know that you will have a great time. We have a, a wonderful church with wonderful pastors, and I'm telling you, the Word of God is rich in this place, so please come and join us. Now, once again, we're talking about relentless faith. I want to remind you of something that I learned a long time ago from the Apostle Paul. It's found in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He made this statement regarding all the adversity that he faced in his life. He said this, but none of these things move me. You can get to the place where nothing moves you. That's what I call relentless faith. So watch now. I'll be back in just a few moments. I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse 11. And we desire that every one of you, look at your neighbor and say, this includes you, do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That every one of you will demonstrate diligence to the very end. And in other words, no room for compromise. No room for wavering. No room for giving up. That you be not slothful or lazy this is what happens to a lot of Christians. They get lazy. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice people with faith and patience. People who demonstrate an unwavering faith and patience. What happens to them? They inherit the promises. So just because some Christians never experience the fulfillment of the promises, on the other hand, there are many who do. And the Bible says, follow those who are inheriting the promises. Follow their example. Don't, don't, don't follow the example of those who gave up and quit under pressure. And then it goes on to say, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. Look at 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After, everybody say after. after. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4 that Abraham is the father of faith and that we are to follow the example of our father in the faith. And what does it say about Abraham? He endured. And what happened as a result of it? He obtained the promise. So if you want the promise of abundant overflow and an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God, then you're going to be required just like Abraham was required. Amen? To persevere, to be persistent, 
to endure. Now, the message translation says it this way. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised him. Now, that's our example. Abraham stuck it out and got everything promised him. How many of you want everything God promised you? Now, let me ask you again. How many of you want everything God promised you? Then does it just happen? Does it just come on us like ripe apples falling off a tree? No. We follow those who through faith and patience who inherit the promises and following our example or the example of our father in the faith, Abraham, then he endured. He stuck it out. Stuck it out. Look at your neighbor and say, that's what you need to do. Stick it out. Now, I realize that it'd just be a whole lot easier if we just didn't have to do anything. Amen? But I don't, I don't know anything in life, I've never experienced anything in life that was worth having that I wasn't willing to fight for. Amen? You, you just have to be willing to fight for it, not give up. Now, my grandson, Bryn. Bryn, come up here for a moment. This is Bryn. Look how tall that boy's getting now. <laughs> Bryn loves basketball. And he's good at it. He's a good basketball player. And the last time, time I asked him, his favorite basketball player was Michael Jordan. Is that still true? Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan from the NBA, you know. He was an amazing basketball player. Now, I want to read something that Michael Jordan said. I play to win, and I will not let anything get in the way of me and my enthusiasm to win. I play to win. Thank you, Brad. I play to win. I don't, I don't live by faith to lose. <laughs> I play to win. I don't live by faith because it's the religious thing to do. I live by faith to win. Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, which happens to be my favorite verse, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Without faith, there's no such thing as a life of victory. So I play to win. And just as Michael Jordan said, I will not let anything get in the way of my enthusiasm to win. Look at somebody and tell them, I will not allow anything or anyone to interfere with my enthusiasm to win at the game of life. Now that's what, that's what being relentless is all about. Can you say amen? amen? Now, if you look at his achievements, and I'd like to read some of them to you, he, he backed what he said. He didn't just talk the talk like a lot of Christians do. 
He walked the walk, so to speak. Just some of his achievements. He led his team, the Chicago Bulls, to six NBA championships and was the finals MVP in each one of them. It's also well known that he was cut from his high school basketball team. Now, you know, a distraction like that could, could have set a different course for his life. You know, I, I grew up playing baseball all my young life. I played all the way from Little League up to a farm league team that was sponsored by the Kansas City Royals. I, I didn't play very long for that farm league team because I, I, I had an injury, and after I recovered, I, I didn't care about playing anymore. I got distracted. My dad was really upset with me. He said, son, what about your baseball career? Uh, Joe and I have an uncle, had an uncle. He's in heaven now, but uh, we had an uncle in, in uh, uh, Oklahoma. And every time I'd go see him, they had a, a, a small farm league team there in Oklahoma. And he was always wanting me to come and live with him and, his, and my aunt uh, there in Okima, Oklahoma, and play for that baseball team. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't really want to do that, but, but had the opportunity to. But over a period of time, I got distracted. And I lost the desire to play anymore. Now, I had ambitions as a young boy to play professional baseball. And back when I was a kid, Mickey Mantle was the man. Oh, I loved Mickey Mantle. Roger Maris. You know, a lot of those old-time greats. And, and uh, dreamed of one day being able to go to New York and watch Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris play in Yankee Stadium. But I lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. New York City seemed like it was another country. How in the world would I ever get to New York City? And that never came about until later in life, years later, when I was already in the ministry for several years, and I went to New York City to spend some time with some friends of mine, and they asked me if I'd like to go to a Yankee game. I said, is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> yes, I'd like to go to a Yankee game. And I told him the story about, you know, my desire as a kid. And he said, well... Uh, I have a close friend who is a season ticket holder and he has seats right over third base. And I'm going to ask him if the Yankees are in town and uh, if, we could, if we could use his seats. And so I'm in there in the uh, guest bedroom hanging my clothes up and he came in there and he said, you do have the favor of God. <laughs> I said, yes, I do. He said, no, I, I'm, I mean, you really do have the favor of God. I said, yes, I do. I said, what are you referring to? He said, not only are the Yankees in town, but it's old timers day and all them guys you watched as a kid, they'll be there playing today. <laughs> Mickey Mantle will be there. And my friend has given us his seats right over third base. I could almost reach out and touch Mickey Mantle. And it wasn't long after that, that Jerry Ann and I were flying to Detroit and we're sitting there on American Airlines, and uh, we're the only ones sitting in this first-class section. And just before the door shut, Mickey Mantle came on board and sat right across from me. 
and got to talk to him and so forth and, uh, uh, and told him, you know, how much I enjoyed watching him as a kid and so forth. And he, he was very polite and very generous. And uh, then after we got off that flight and the pastor picked us up to take us to the hotel, when we got to the hotel, there was a taxi right in front of us. And when the door opened in the back of that taxi, Mickey Mantle gets out and he sees me. He says, you staying here? I said, yes, sir. He said, looks like we'll be spending the weekend together. And so Jerry and I got to our room and I said, let's go down and have uh, some lunch uh, before we go to the service tonight. Went downstairs. The only person in the restaurant was me, Jerry Ann, and Mickey Mantle. <laughs> I mean, God just set all this up. There's my hero, you know, baseball player, hero. And I'm spending the day with him. Amen. And one of the, one of the, one of the greatest blessings was... One of our Bible school students years ago was married to a lady who worked for a national, international news agency like Reuters. And uh, she was invited to cover Mickey Mantle's funeral. And I'd been praying for Mickey Mantle. And he was a great baseball player, but he wasn't a very nice man. <laughs> he had a lot of problems. He drank, he's an alcoholic, womanizer, all kind of stuff. That part of him... Uh, I didn't idolize. But I prayed for him all the time. And she came back with a program from that funeral to give me. And she said, and during the funeral, Bobby Richardson, who was uh, played with the Yankees when Mickey Mantle did, he was second baseman. He was now a minister after he retired from baseball. He did the funeral and he told the story just before Mickey died he gave his heart to Jesus. And I said, hallelujah, Mickey Mantle will be in heaven and I'm going to be pitching. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Just a, a neat little story there. But getting back to, to, to Michael Jordan, I've always loved watching athletes who excel. But if you follow their story, you know, it looks like, they just, they're just born with all this talent and they don't have to do anything that anybody else does. No, you look into their story, hard work. Hard work, determination. Don't quit, don't give up. You know, when I was playing ball in Little League, our coach always told us stories about Babe Ruth because he, our coach, lived back in the days when Babe Ruth was still playing. And so that was his favorite ball player. And he was always telling us stories about Babe Ruth trying to inspire us. And he'd say, boys, Babe Ruth was the home run king. Back in that day, he was. He'd, bit, he'd, he'd uh, uh, knock more home runs than anybody else. He, he, he knocked 900 and some odd home runs. No, 714 home runs during his career. 714 home runs. And we just sat there as little boys listening to that with our, you know, just thinking, wow, Babe Ruth. Everybody wanted to be Babe Ruth. Knocked 714 home runs. And one day I remember one, one kid, probably Kenny Hinter, because he was the most outspoken of us all, 
And he probably, it was probably Kenny who said, well, did he ever strike out? <laughs> Much to our surprise. You know, you'd think anyone who hit 714 home runs in his lifetime never struck out. Uh, coach told us he struck out 1,330 times. How could you be home run king and strike out 1,330 times? Relentless. Relentless. Somebody asked him one time, babe, why do you try to knock a home run? Why do you, why do you swing so hard every time you get up to bat? I want to knock a home run. Well, getting on first would be good. Getting a triple would be good. I don't like them. I like home runs. <laughs> And if he struck out, there's always another at bat. You know, he was relentless. And then, of course, later, Henry Aaron broke his record. And then, of course, later, somebody else broke Henry Aaron's record. Why? Because they were relentless. Amen. You, you, you don't gain life's best, nor God's best, by being a quitter. You have to become relentless. Can you say amen? amen? Relentless, one of its definitions means continuing without withering or shrinking or folding up or quitting. And here it says, that's a description of Abraham. He stuck it out and got everything God had promised to him. Now, You've heard my story, and I don't want to go into it in great length, but, but before coming to Christ, I, I was a quitter. I just always looked for the path of least resistance until one day, shortly after I'd received the Lord, 1969, I found this scripture. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, you've heard me tell this before, but that morning when I was reading that verse, that verse got as big as my Bible and jumped off the pages and into my heart. And the Lord said to me, this is the missing ingredient in your life. You've always been a great starter, but you've never been a great finisher. He said, if you don't develop the art of continuing, then you will never be the man I want you to be. You'll never be the preacher I want you to be. You'll never be the father or husband I want you to be. You've got to develop the art of continuing. And I remember standing up right there in that little guest bedroom, lifting my hand and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, my days of quitting are over. I am no longer a quitter. From this day forward, I am determined to be a winner. And I've kept that promise for 52 years. And anybody knows me well, quit is not an option. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quit is not an option. Well, have you had any opportunities to quit? How much time you got? We all have opportunities to quit, but you have to make a decision that quitting is not an option. Now, if you always hang on to, well, I could always do this, that, or the other. If you always have a plan B, plan C, plan D, then you, you will not be relentless. Amen. 
It's like when we were buying this property years ago. There was a Baptist church and it had this building and it had about 10 acres with it. And one day I was riding by on my motorcycle and the Lord pointed it out to me. Now, I didn't know the pastor. They had built this building the same year I built our, our ministry headquarters around the corner. I didn't know the pastor, never met them, never been on the property. And the Lord said to me, that's the property I have provided for you. And I turned around and went back home, called Joe, and I said, Joe, call that pastor and see if that property's for sale. Now, there was no for sale sign on it or anything. And so he later got in touch with him and, and told him, you know, what the Lord had said to me. And the pastor said, well, that's amazing. He said, Friday night, now this was Saturday morning when I come riding by here. He said, Friday night, we had a special meeting and I told the church that we had been given some more property on the other side of town and I wasn't sure where God wanted us to be. We had this property, but now we've been given some other property. And he said, now I just told the church, let's pray and whichever property comes up for sale, then we will know we're supposed to be at the other property. He said, we haven't even gone to the real estate office yet and put it on the market. He said, that's amazing that your boss heard that. And he said, yes, it's for sale. They told us what they wanted for it. I told Joe, I said, tell him we want it and we'll pay cash. I didn't have two nickels to run together <laughs> to buy this property and buy this building and so forth. But I knew what the Lord had said. Now I'm prepared to fight the good fight of faith. The first thing I do is start sowing seed. You don't have harvest without sowing seed. And I needed a harvest. And so we started sowing seed. And, uh, and we signed a contract and told them what date, you know, we'd gone into closing. And I think it was, what, 10 days, Joe, before closing. We still didn't have any money. And then somebody gave us $30,000 toward it. Well, that, you know, you know, Jesus said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn. That $30,000 was the blade. That, that gives you hope. That inspires you that God did hear us. The blade's up, you know. And then, what was it, Joe, about three days before closing, the remainder came in and it was a large amount, over $300,000. And it all came in about three days before closing. Now, if we had not determined to be relentless, we wouldn't have that testimony. Amen? And that's the way God has done everything we've ever done. We, we had to show him that we were willing to go out on the ledge, so to speak, out on the limb for what we believed he wanted to do and demonstrate being relentless and he's always come through, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Amen. Now, one of the greatest examples of relentlessness in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. 
I love the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 20, would you go there with me very quickly? Acts chapter 20. And look at verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or only that the Holy Ghost witnesses or has witnessed to me that in every city there will be bonds and afflictions beside me or waiting for me, abide me. Bonds and afflictions abide me, or in other words, when I get to every city I'm called to preach in, I can anticipate trouble. Regardless of what life throws at you, your faith can remain unmoved. You can outlast and overcome every challenge. Today's special offer, the Relentless Faith Package, contains Jerry Savelle's four-part CD series, More Than Enough, his inspiring book, Living in the Fullness of the Blessing, and his eye-opening book, The Established Heart. In this package, Jerry teaches how to be unshaken by turmoil and pressure, how to trust God during times of testing, why God's blessing is so important, and what you must do to walk in God's blessing. You will never gain God's best by being a quitter. You have to learn how to become relentless and fight for the promises of God. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Relentless Faith Special Package. You can push back against discouragement and develop a bold faith that refuses to accept less than God's best. What a joy it's been sharing the Word of God with you today, and I want to encourage you to make your plans to join with me again next week. We're not done yet. We're going to keep talking about relentless faith and how that you can enjoy God's best in every area of your life. Before we close, let me remind you of our special products, my very first book entitled The Established Heart. This is a powerful little book that you can read on your lunch hour. And in it, you're going to find seven basic revelations that every believer should be established in. And then learning how to live in the fullness of the blessing. God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed coming in, going out, in the city, in the field. He wants you blessed in every area of your life. And then not only that, but His best for you is more than enough. Four CDs, more than enough, God's best for your life. If you'd like to have them, go to our website, jerrysavelle.org, or you can look on the screen right now and find the information for ordering, but do it quickly, okay? We'll see you again next week. Until then, remember, your faith will overcome the world.